Welcome back to the Russell Street Replay. We are here to recap the Baltimore Ravens' pretty crushing loss to the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. It's the first time we're recapping a loss on this podcast. I'm joined once again by Ronald Tooth, one of the contributors to the Russell Street Report. Glad to have you back, Ron. This one might be a little tough to dive into, but uh, nonetheless, I guess that's why we're here today, right? Yep, exactly. And starting off with our big questions for this week, the first one, I'm not really worried about the offense. I know we'll talk about the offense a little bit more, but I'm not super concerned about this offense. But on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about this defense? The defense, uh, I got to say I'm about an 8 right now. I mean, it's just – it's tough to really pinpoint one – I mean, outside of the glare, the tackling is really the issue. I mean, even today in his press conference, John Harbaugh didn't mince words. He said, until we can figure out how to get people on the ground, we're going to be a mediocre defense, you know, so to speak. It's not really something you can teach either. I mean, we're this deep into the season. I mean, how much more do you get, want your players, you know, smacking each other during the week? And with injuries already being such a problem as it is, you can't have these rough, you know, hitting practices to try and correct this. So it's it's kind of a tough predicament they find themselves in heading into the bye. Yeah, that's something Harbo's talked about, just the difficulty in, in trying to practice tackling. And, you know, like I said, I'm not super concerned about the offense. Partially because we know they're injured, we know they're pretty banged up, and they're still pro- they're still producing pretty consistently, and so we know they'll still be able to get the job done. The defense has had some injuries too, but it just seems like on paper this defense should be a lot better. I'm going to throw a couple names at you and just let me know, kind of lightning round style, if you're worried or not worried about these guys the rest of the season. So Deshaun Elliott. Uh, no, Elliott I'm not too worried about. I mean, we saw the difference he made last week when he returned in the Chargers game. I think he's one of the key pieces on the defense, you know, I'm willing to give him a mulligan as far as, you know, how yesterday went. But uh, I think he'll be fine. Uh, Anthony Averett. Averett I'm a little more worried about. He did have a decent game when you look at the stat sheet yesterday. He had a few pass breakups. He had, what was it, seven tackles, I believe. Uh, So he had a decent game on the stat sheet. But there was a couple times where he just looked really out of place. I mean, specifically, I believe it was the Samaje Ryan touchdown, especially at the end of the game. It looked like he wasn't even trying. Like, you know, he was just jogging, then just kind of gave a a half-hearted, you know, bear hug to him, and he just ran right through his arms. Definitely a business decision on that one. Marlon Humphrey. No, I'm not worried about Marlon. They just – they ask Marlon to do so much in this defense. It's almost every single play he's matched up against, you know, the offense's best option. It's it's tough not having Peters out there at the moment and, you know, asking him to do so much and still expecting these same results. I mean – when you're locked down on the same, you know, the most elite players every single play, you're you're naturally going to get burned a little more. But, I mean, we saw him have his interception yesterday. Uh, overall, not his best game, he'd even tell you. I mean, anytime you give up, what was it, 200 yards receiving? I mean, mm-hmm. that's not one you're really going to come out of, you know, picking at positives. So, overall, I'm not worried about Humphrey. I think he'll be fine. I think they just got to figure out a way to get a little more help around him and lighten his load a little bit. And then I'll hit you with these last three all at once. Patrick Queen, Brandon Williams, Justin Matabuke. Uh, Queen, actually, you know, this is the second week in a row. We've seen some, you know, some improvement from him, actually. Uh, he had a PFF grade over 80 this week again. Uh, looked pretty good, especially in the run game. Williams and Matabuke, I'm very worried about at the moment. Um, we haven't really seen much from either of them, especially when you take into account what Brandon Williams accounts for against the cap. It just the, the production doesn't match the investment 
and by any means. And even with Matabike, uh, you know, how long have we been seeing flashes? You know what I mean? It's always, oh, you know, we see what Matabike could be. But, you know, we're a decent amount of time into this thing now, and he hasn't turned into that every single down player. And I, I don't – I haven't seen anything that tells me something's just going to change overnight for him. So, yeah, those two I'm, I'm very worried about. Yeah, big breakout candidate, Matabuke, coming into this season. And you kind of want him to take advantage of the opportunity of being lined up next to the veterans, these forces like Calais Campbell. Justin Houston had a really good game yesterday. And take advantage of the double teams that are on other players and win your matchups. And you're just not seeing that from Matabuke or Williams, for that matter. Uh, and m- my last big question to you is just, do you think this team, as it's currently constructed, injuries and all, can make the Super Bowl this year? Because that that was the goal that was the dream starting the season and the injuries just feel like they're really mounting up now yeah the injuries are mounting up I mean it's undeniable but you know we're also seeing a lot of players from other teams go down the way that I look at it really I mean we've seen so often in the NFL all you got to do is get to the dance then really it's just about who's hot and who's not uh so I absolutely still think they could get to a Super Bowl I mean if they play like they did last weekend you know three consecutive games it's almost a sure thing they will be so uh yeah, it really, they got to get there, of course. I mean, five and two, you're still feeling really good about your chances. Three winnable games coming up off the bye. Should be eight and two. You know, nothing's a given, as we saw yesterday. But, um, yeah, I absolutely still think this team can win a Super Bowl. It's going to take a lot of adjustments, but they can definitely get there. Yeah, I think, you know, I think, I think this team can make the Super Bowl. I think they can make it out of a banged-up AFC. There's no clear favorite in the AFC. But if, if I'm putting the Ravens up against the Rams, Cardinals, Bucks or Cowboys right now, I'm not sure they can win that matchup. And I think those are the four most likely coming out of the NFC. I just think that the injuries at that point, the margins of error are so slim that the difference between a Peters and an Averitt is just magnified. But I, I, I still wouldn't count out DaCosta making some moves before the deadline just to beef up the defense, get a Lamar a little more help maybe on the offensive line, uh, and hopefully get this team a little bit closer to getting that elusive ring. Moving on to our, our categories for our recap, it's going to be kind of an up and down uh, recap. We're going to be highlighting some good things and talking about some big struggles for the Ravens. But let's start with some some positive news. Let's talk about who the Raven of the game was. I'll give you my nominees. Patrick McCarry, because the offensive line fell apart once he was off the field. Josh Bynes was just everywhere on defense, pretty much our only run stopper, it felt like. Justin Houston got five pressures and pretty much was the only guy getting to Burrow. Uh Bateman and Hollywood both had 80 yards. Bateman had three first downs. Hollywood had that beautiful touchdown catch. And, you know, we mentioned Anthony Averitt. Stat sheet looked good, seven tackles, three passes defense. But I think I'm going to keep him as an honorable mention uh, after what you said. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I would go Averitt for Raven of the Week this week, unfortunately. Um, I would probably have to go Rashad Bateman. I mean, in ter- I mean, three for 80 is not something that you're, you're going to remember for the rest of your life, of course. But a lot of clutch catches. I mean, every single catch he's had so far has been a first down. And we saw a little bit more of that explosive like explosiveness from him this week. I mean, it was a lot of short, you know, kind of 10, 10 yard routes last week. This week, they really let him rip more. And, uh, you know, he produced. So all things considered and in terms of who I feel the best about going forward from yesterday, I would have to say Bateman would be the Raven of the game. Yeah, I, I was trying to limit my excitement about Bateman's debut last week and again, even again this week, but it's hard not to get excited about him. He just he looks and plays like a pro. Everything about him coming out of the Ravens have been really good. I think me personally, I have to give Raven of the game to Makari. 
he's been a great story this season, first of all. Um, to see him go down was heartbreaking at the game because he, he has struggled for the Ravens in the past at center and has emerged as an undersized right tackle, held his own against Von Miller, Jerry Bosa this season. And after he went down, the O-line was not the same. So I, I've been reading it's a high ankle sprain, could sideline him for a while, and I think that's trouble. And so hopefully this isn't the last game that he's eligible for this award, but I want to give it to him today. Uh, going on to unit of the game, the receivers, we already talked about Hollywood and, and Rashad Bateman. Tight ends had three of the four highest Ravens grade from pro football focus. Josh Oliver got in the receiving game a little bit more. Andrews was solid as usual. Um, and my final unit nominee is the inside linebackers. We mentioned Josh Bynes, and we also mentioned Patrick Queen. Had actually a really good game after some struggles early in the season. Felt like he was a lot more confident in his reads making tackles. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I go back to, uh, I forget which week it was, but it was the week that Bynes was inactive and somebody had the picture of him on the sideline with the, uh, he had like the card in front of him. He looked like one of the coaches, you know, and then the way he's just been able to step in, you know, at, you know, being the eight, being a little older guy. I mean, he's not ancient by any means, but he's been a big help when, you know, we saw that Queen and Harrison weren't really performing at their best over the last few weeks. He's really helped solidify that position, but I would go with the wide receivers. I mean, we saw the the Brown touchdown. And that was incredible. You know, that little toe drag swag in the back of the end zone. That was really good. We just mentioned Bateman. Uh, really, that was the only group on offense that had any meaningful impact on the day. And, you know, I mean, granted, there wasn't much great to talk about as a whole on offense. But, uh, yeah, the wide receivers would have to be my stars of the day. Yeah, and definitely could have been a lot more. I think we could probably bring this up here. It just felt like Jackson wasn't as sharp throwing the ball yesterday. Uh, and that those down games are going to happen. I don't think it's anything, you know, don't think it's anything indicative of what he's going to do in the future, but just something to note that I think he admitted after the game, we left, he felt like we left a lot of points and a lot of yards out on the field, especially on third down. Um, I have to agree. The receivers just look really good. Hollywood is developing into a, a stud, a star at wide receiver. It's awesome to see. And having him and Bateman as a one-two punch is just super exciting. Uh, moving on to player of the play of the game. Uh, the first one that Hollywood touchdown, you just mentioned uh, a beautiful throw from Jackson and an even better catch from Hollywood. Bateman had a couple catch and runs. I actually, it was hard to pick one. Uh, there was one that I believe it was the one that set up the Hollywood touchdown is the one that I think was his best. The way he just catches the ball and starts moving straight up field, makes the first guy miss to pick up an, a few extra yards with his length is really impressive. And then that sequence when Humphrey stripped Chase as Chase was going out of bounds and got interception a couple plays later when the when uh, the fumble was ruled to be already out of bounds. I thought that was an impressive sequence from Marlon almost brought the Ravens back in this game if the offense could have just converted that interception into some points on the other end. Yeah, that, that was my play of the game was the interception just because it was – it really felt like it gave the Ravens one last little bit of hope. I mean, it really felt like things were getting away at that point. It was a 10 point game, I believe, right? 27, mm -hmm. 17 at that point they're going in again. I mean, a score there puts it away. Obviously it ended up happening anyway, just a little later on, but in terms of what that could have meant and the way that that could have shifted the game, if the offense was able to put it together a little more, I would say that would be the play of the game. Yeah. Uh, and I got to hand it to Hollywood. I, I love seeing the media give him some more credit this week after especially all that ridiculousness with Bart Scott, just he, he, he is a number one wide receiver. I know that's a, that's a term we debate at the Ross street report, whether or not it's actually a good one. Um, but I think for those who use the term, you can't define Hollywood as anything other than that. Now 
He's a threat at all levels of the field, and he's been phenomenal all season. Uh, the back-to-practice award. Yeah, the numbers do not lie. Back-to-practice award. I have a feeling we're going to be talking quite a bit for this part. For a position group that needs to step it up in a specific area. For me, I've got the secondary in their tackling more than anything else. I felt like the coverage actually wasn't terrible. There were a couple blown coverages, but th- I think that's more fixable. I'm more worried about the tackling. Uh, Deshaun Elliott missing three tackles is just completely un- unheard of. And even Humphrey struggled to tackle. Uh, if Anthony Averett's your best defensive back tackling in the game, something's gone wrong, I feel like. The offensive line just feels like everything after Macari. Pass protection was okay. Run blocking just doesn't seem to be there for a good chunk of the season. And the interior of the defensive line is the third one. I kind of exempt Calais Campbell from this because he's been playing out of his mind all season. But we mentioned Metabuke and Williams earlier, just controlling the game more in the trenches. That's your job. That That is where the game is defined, is in the trenches at the line. And they have to do a better job of owning that. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, Campbell's case, the amount of double teams he's seeing guys like Matabuike and uh, Brandon Williams should be eaten every week. Mm-hmm. And they're just not right now. And it's a big problem. Uh, another name that or another group that we would have to throw in there is the running backs. I mean, I know how much can you expect from them? we're dealing with, you know, the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, with all due respect to the guys that we have. But I think a lot of us, myself included, got lured into a, uh, false sense of security last week and watching how productive they were against the chargers. The chargers obviously have a very vulnerable run defense. So it was, you know, a good day for a, a, a relatively good day for all of those guys. But, you know, you just, you think about what Dobbins and what Edwards would be doing if they were here and it just, it really hurts. But regardless that group still just, they're just looking for some kind of chemistry between the guys that they have and they keep throwing different things out there. Not having Murray this week was obviously big, but can you sit there and tell me that he would have done anything more spectacular than all these other guys would have done? I mean, it's pretty much the Lamar Jackson show in terms of running the ball right now. Yeah, I just it just doesn't feel like defenses are that scared of Freeman or Bell bouncing bouncing plays to the outside, which is understandable. They're a little bit older, and I don't think it's you know unfair to say they may have lost a step. There's nothing wrong with that. They're older running backs. That happens. But when you know that, you have to adjust – as a running back personally, and, you know, with the schemes and the runs you're calling, I, I love Greg Roman. I, I have to watch the tape to have a, a better analysis of this, but I just feel like his running play call isn't as flawless as it's been in the past. In the past, it's mm-hmm. felt like he always knew what run to dial up at every moment. And it just doesn't, it just hasn't felt as perfect this year. And again, that's a combination of offensive line woes, running back issues, totally get it. But, I, yeah, I, I agree. The running backs definitely just pick it up in general. Um, but I think it for just, my uh, – Well, hold on. Before we get off the running backs, it's it's kind of interesting because the names that they brought in, you know, Freeman, Bell, with the exception of Murray, none of these guys are what you would think of as stereotypical Ravens running backs. I mean, you know, Bell is an East and West guy. He's not a North and South guy. Freeman, I mean, I guess he's a little more what you would think of, but even still – I think of guys out there like, you know, Gurley and Adrian Peterson and, you know, guys out there who, I mean, they probably have just as much left in the tank as any of these other guys, but at least they more fit the Ravens scheme. Now, who am I to say that they haven't already done their due diligence on these kind of guys? I'm sure they have, and there has to be some reason that they haven't been brought in, but it's something that I've been thinking of a lot since yesterday. And it's just, uh, it's kind of curious. 
Well, and I think, you know, they may have done their due diligence back before they signed Bell, Murray Freeman made those decisions, but that doesn't mean that you can't go back and reevaluate and say, okay, you know, maybe we do need to change running back or something this season. Uh, I think overall the back to practice award, it's gotta be the O-line. I just think the O-line has just, it's just the lifeblood of this offense. You know, as much as Jackson powers it, uh, he needs a good line. He, any quarterback does any offense does and O-line just can't fall apart. Like it does, especially in the running game for this team. Moving on Uh, to, I know I keep stopping you here. Uh, so we've been discussing a few names about who they could possibly bring in, you know, maybe an Andre Dillard from Philadelphia, somebody mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Seattle just released a starting caliber tackle today, whose name I'm not even going to attempt to butcher out of <laughs> respect for him. Um, but, you know, there should be some names out there. And now with Makari hurt and heading into the bye, this seems like a perfect time for Eric DeCosta to make one of those signature moves. Yeah. And i love having 10 picks in next year's draft. I love it. I love and nine of them are in the top four rounds. It's great. But at a certain point, you got to bite the bullet and say, do we want in on this season? Do we want to, and do we want to push really far in on this season or not? Cause I do think the only way to do it is to really go after a couple guys who are going to make certain position areas improve. I don't think just picking up one guy is going to solve enough. To, to really boost the playoff and Super Bowl odds that make it worth it giving up picks next year. Um, although we are potentially looking at a lot of comp picks with a lot of free agents. Yeah. Plus, I mean, we have all these picks. How many of these guys are actually going to have a legitimate shot to make the team? You know what I mean? If you yeah, not every off, draft can be that 2018 draft. <laughs> exactly. So if you have the opportunity to ship off a couple and bring in a name, I mean, they're pressed right now for, for money. That's obvious. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure there's some things they could do to open up a little more here and there, but for the most part, if you can bring in a guy like Dillard on his rookie deal still, and all it's going to cost you is a couple late round picks. I mean, that seems like a no brainer to me. Yeah. And everything. And, and, you know, it's something we talked about early in the season, like, Hey, it was going to be really hard for the Ravens to make an, a move right when all those injuries hit, but now all the cap hits are prorated. So they might have a better chance of making something work. Moving on to our newcomer of the week, I only had two nominees, Bateman and Justin Houston. Like I said, Houston had five pressures and seemed like he was flying off the edge and just so close to that 100 sack. I was really hoping that that might be a little silver lining we get out of this game, but he couldn't quite get home. Yeah, uh, I mean, just out of – we already gave Bateman – or I already gave Bateman the Raven of the game, so I'll go Houston with this one. Uh, I was scrolling through Twitter just really quick before we hopped on here, and I saw some stat. Uh, I believe it was he had the highest pressure rate or something like that this week. I, I don't quote me on it. It was just something that I saw in passing. I think but, I saw the same thing. Yeah. 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 It was surprising to see when you look at, you know, the defense as a whole yesterday. Uh, and he's, you know, he's been rated pretty well every week so far. You know, he's mm-hmm. been one of the few bright spots, at least in terms of, you know, consistency and what you would expect from an older edge rusher such as him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lone bright spot yesterday on a really rough defensive day. So I'll give him the, I'll give him the love there. Yeah. I'm going to give mine to Bateman just in terms of delivering on what Ravens, what the Ravens expect him to be, what this fan base expected him to be. Uh, it's really exciting, especially after the injury and everyone was like, Oh no, could it be another Brashad Perriman situation? And he came back and put an end to that talk right away. And I'm actually kind of curious. This seems like one of those uh, weird stats that ESPN loves to pull up. I wonder what is the longest streak of first downs uh, for their first X amount of catches for a receiver in their NFL career? Kind of feel like Bateman's seven could be the most. Seems seems possible. Of course, Jamar Chase has been going to catching a lot of deep balls this season, as we saw. Yeah, uh, yeah he, he might have done Bateman. that yesterday. 
<laughs> Moving on to the Mile High Miracle Ridiculous Ravens moment of the week. Boy, was this kind of a weird game at the same time while being a blowout. That fumble on the sidelines, you know, I was at the game, so I didn't get a lot of good angles. I couldn't see whether or not it actually hit off Chase's foot, but it really looked like Humphrey punched it out. Clark kept it in bounds and Queen recovered it. And that could have been uh, another huge momentum shifting moment. That one, the chase touchdown where he broke several tackles on the way to the end zone. It looked like a blooper reel out there with Ravens crashing into each other. You just don't see that from this defense. They usually have just way better synergy and do a better job of swarming to the ball uh, to make tackles. And that Uzoma blown coverage, Humphrey admitted it was on him. Uh, after the game, but you know, finding CJ Uzoma wide open, no one near him downfield. Burrow's going to make that pass every day, and I felt like that was just ridiculous to see, just a tight end in orange and black all the way open down the field when really we have never really struggled with Cincy's tight ends. No, it's crazy, and when you when you break down that play and you see, it's pretty crazy. Four guys all converge on, uh, I believe it's the back coming out of the flat. And Uzama's just wide open there. I think it was Humphrey who blew his assignment on the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one was rough. If we're just talking, you know, WTF kind of moments and plays from the game, another one that pops into my mind is I believe it was the third and long and Burrow threw a pass. Campbell tips it at the line and the tip at the line somehow causes the pass to drop perfectly into T Higgins hand. Yes. Yes. I totally forgot about that one. You just, you just can't catch a break. And Mm -hmm. you know, this was a game where it felt like the Ravens couldn't catch a break at all, whether it be little things like that or refereeing decisions, the fumble, it just, it just felt like the Ravens couldn't catch a break. Uh, Obviously not an excuse for the loss. They played pretty poorly too. Uh, But I think that kind of compounded it and made it feel worse. Uh, moving on to head scratcher of the week, a lot of these, a lot of questionable decisions. I think it's time for the NFL to realize that dropping everyone back in coverage against elite quarterbacks works. It's what people have done against Mahomes, and clearly blitzing Burrow does not work, especially no. when they made a lot of really good adjustments to get the ball to chase, especially very quickly, and let him work after the catch, whereas this season he's been most dangerous down the field. And so blitzing Burrow, he did a great job adjusting at the ball out quick. And, you know, I just don't think that was a good game plan coming in. Uh, felt like Lamar took a, more sacks than normal today. He did his usual magic to keep them from being huge losses. But you'd like to see him get rid of the ball a little bit more as well as hit some of the passes. Uh, lack of penalties on Cincy. They didn't have a single flag until garbage time. I just find that questionable. Obviously, I'd have to go back and watch specific plays to figure out, oh, should that have been a penalty? Was that a holding? But it just seems really unlikely uh, that they didn't do anything illegal for the entire game until garbage time. Uh, And the other one, the one, this is my winner, not calling a taunting call on Hendrickson on on the Bengals defensive end, who's very clearly taunting Alejandro Villanueva. Under the exact rule, that's a very clear taunting flag. And we've seen some really, really ticky-tack taunting flags this season. So I don't know how that one doesn't get called. And that one, that hold brought back a big Lamar run, uh, I think, in the second half. That could have been big in this game. And, again, it just felt like, where's the flag on that play? Yeah, that was rough. When you, when you mentioned the Bengals not having any penalties, that was immediately where my mind went. I was going to say, I mean, we saw at least one that was clear and obvious. I mean, that's just – that's Bush League stuff from Trey Hendricks. And that's the kind of stuff you expect from a team who's winning, who isn't used to winning. 
You know what I mean? So it wasn't. Too oh, I mean, Eli Apple was walking into the locker room saying astronomical trust. Yeah. Yeah. Looked, I didn't even know what I didn't even know the guy was on the team. I mean, every week he's wearing a new jersey. So and look good for the Bengals. Good game plan. They executed, you know, as a fan of the sport, it was cool to see Burrow and Chase connect. I have to say. But at the same time, like, man, that that's a flag. And is every team going to treat their game against the Ravens like it's a Super Bowl? Feels like it has been this season. Yeah. I especially like a guy like Villanueva, too, of all people. I mean, what do you think? Villanueva was sitting there trash talking him all game. The guy's like a consistent man of the year winner, like just a great guy, served our country. And there you yeah, got you're going to trash talk an army veteran on the field? Come yeah. On, yeah. Man. I mean, like, uh, just getting back to the head scratcher. Uh, another one that popped up for me, and this would probably be my choice. Uh, actually, there's two that come to mind. One was the timeout on the punt in the beginning of the second half that I, you know, Lamar and, you know, in the postgame, cra- uh, uh, ooh, excuse me, press conference, Lamar kind of took the blame for that when he said that was on me. Realistically, you know, Harbaugh and the coaching staff has to have him, you know, more prepared and knowing what to do in these kind of situations. So I think they all share that blame. That was kind of funky and not a move we've come to expect from the Ravens. Uh, also, in the beginning of the fourth quarter, down 14, uh, in their own territory, I believe it was their own 38, fourth and seven, and they decided to go for that. And it essentially, that was the game right there. I mean, at least if you punt it away again, you give your team a shot to give you the ball back. But, I mean, we've seen plenty of times where the Ravens go for these fourth downs and they get it. But fourth and seven was a little rich for my blood, and I just I wasn't really too thrilled with that decision. Yeah, a lot of weird fourth down decisions throughout the game, not sending Tucker out a couple times. Harbaugh spoke about that today, said there was a crosswind. Seemed like it made sense that they didn't send Tucker out for a couple of those field goals. But I agree, 14 points isn't crazy in the fourth quarter. It's something I believe in this offense to overcome. Um, but I do understand if Harbaugh was just not confident all in the defense, you got to try and keep the offense on the field. Yeah. Uh, moving on to, well, next week, it's a bye week. I don't think there's a better time for a buy. And it seems like the Ravens have this quite often under Harbaugh where they have really rough performances before a buy and come out swinging after mm-hmm. defense needs to shape up across all levels up front against the run big time and the secondary and tackling uh, stuff. I'm looking more stuff. I'm looking for over the buy. Like you mentioned, I, I hope DeCosta makes a move. I think offensive line is probably the place where I want to upgrade most. Getting healthy is going to be huge. Ideally, Nick Boyle, Sammy Watkins, and Derek Wolf are all back after the bye. Uh, Harbaugh seemed to hint that that was going to be the case during his pressure today, but, you know, cryptic as always from him. And especially more practice time with Watkins, Bateman, and Brown as the main wide receiver trio is going to do wonders for Jackson in this offense. And I, I honestly think we, we saw people have been blown away by Jackson throwing so far this season. Just wait until he has Watkins, Bateman, Brown, and Andrews on the field together for extended drives, I think it's going to be a sight to see. Absolutely. Hopefully, you know, it won't require these crazy comebacks like we've seen, you know, (laughs) or or hopefully it won't result in that, I should say, or that won't be the reason that they, you know, pile up the stat sheet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, we definitely would like to see more tackle, uh, more work on the tackling in the bye week. Uh, More than anything, just guys getting healthy. You know, uh, we've it, there's Derek no Wolf. on this team, yeah, and that being the biggest understatement of the year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it gives Makari a chance to kind of start getting into his rehab. You know, we'll see how far along that goes. Uh, could make a move, 
more so than anything, though, just take the week, wash this really bad taste out of their mouths and set their sights on Minnesota. Yeah, and I have to say, I know their post-practice press conferences and they're talked about how to they're, they're trained on how to answer questions and stuff like that. But watching the press conference, that's not the press conference of a defeated team. It's, no. it's a, I think this is a resilient team. They've proven that already this season. I'm sure it's something we're going to talk about next week on our midseason special of the Russell Street replay. A little shameless plug there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think this team has it in them to, to, to fight down the stretch, fight through injuries, fight through opponents throwing everything they have at them. So I, I, it was a disappointing loss. But actually talking through it with you has made me feel a lot more optimistic about the rest of the season. Yeah, same here. Uh, The initial shock of it all yesterday was definitely rough. But now that we've all had a day to process it and, you know, we kind of come to that any given Sunday realization becomes a little easier to to deal with. You know, what Harbaugh say today, the worst they could do is five and 12 from here. So, hey, that's promising, right? Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I, uh, I, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I'm really looking forward to the Bengals rematch later this season. I think that's going to be a really exciting game to see what the Ravens kind of fire back with. Any final thoughts before we log off here, Ronald? Uh, no, I think we're pretty much good there, man. Just on to Minnesota now. New week next week, and that's all we can ask for. Absolutely. Well, Ronald, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you back on the pod. We hope to see you here again. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy your weeks. and. Be sure to tune in. Like I mentioned to our midseason special, we're going to try and give out all of these awards, but assess everyone over the course of the season next week. Thanks so much.